the rivalry is back on. 1% better every day and 1-0. The set is the quarterback lined up behind center, takes a snap, going for a home run deep downfield, looking for T.Y. Hilton. Hilton makes the catch. He's in the 10, 5, doubles in the end zone, touchdown. Colts coming with pressure off the edge. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What's going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to the Bring the Juice podcast. I am your co-host, Derek Larger, and with me as always, Cody Felger. How you doing, Cody? Hey, I'm doing well. Can't complain. Uh, if you guys are listening, if you're in Indiana at all, you kind of probably are feeling the same way I am, and it's kind of been snowing a lot. So uh, it's been good. It's been cold, but you know, overall, man, man I've been good. How have you been? Oh, not too bad. You know, just getting ready for my... Uh, for my cruise that's coming up here in about a week and a half. So Whoa. super excited for that. And, you know, it's not been super snowy down here yet. Uh, it's supposed to get okay. some here tonight, but it's been mostly rain down here. It's a little warmer down here in the northern part of Kentucky. But anyway, mm-hmm. we jabbled on about our uh, weather enough here. So <laughs> we're going to get into my first Colts mock draft of the right. mock draft season. And, Obviously, there's a lot of other topics that we'll discuss probably here next week or something like that. We'll get back into and we'll talk a little bit more about trade rumors and, you know, some free agency stuff and everything like that. There's plenty of time to still get into those. Uh, It's still nothing really set in stone yet. But anyway, uh, obviously, for my first mock draft, I want everyone to understand before you type anything, I understand that. There's some things in here that, you know, might be questionable at times because, again, it's the first mock draft and we still haven't seen the combine. We still haven't really seen what Ballard might do. Uh, There's been a lot of talk with moving up into the fifth pick or anywhere from fifth to seventh. Uh, That's been a big rumor with the Indianapolis Colts over the national media over the last few days and could quite possibly happen. So, and here's the reason why I'm not, I'm going to just tell everyone right now that the reason why I don't have a quarterback right now in our first round simply is because I still don't know exactly what Ballard's plan is right now. Uh, What is there going to be that's available? Is he going to trade up? I don't know those circumstances. So that's why I don't have a quarterback at my number one pick here or the first round pick. So Don't get angry at me. I understand the importance of wanting to get a quarterback. I'm just saying I don't have enough information to make that pick right now. But with that first round pick, I have the Indianapolis Colts selecting Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle from South Carolina. You have heard Cody and I and a lot of other Colts pages talk about how special this kid is with raw power and just a relentless effort to want to make a play no matter where he is on the field, a very powerful guy. And I think he fits right into what the Colts are trying to build on the defensive line, especially with, you know, the struggles at defensive tackle that we've had. 
Uh, Cody, what do you think of Javon Kinlaw with my first uh, round pick at, at that spot? Yeah, it certainly fills a need like you're talking about, Derek. Um, it's definitely something that the Colts and Chris Ballard just kind of talked about wanting to improve. Um, you, you know, you talked about defensive tackle specifically, more specifically three technique. Um, and I think he would fit that bill really well. Um, and that's something the Colts have really been lacking. And I had Andrew Thomason on a couple of days ago, and we were kind of talking about this a little bit about, uh, you know, about the pressure. And I, I remember, you know, about getting pressure on the quarterback. And I remember tell, talking to Andrew and saying, you know, I've heard, you know, just from on TV and from different people that I know um, who, who play quarterback, you know, they, they were talking about, man, you know, obviously you want to get, you know, on defense, you want to get guys like you want to get guys who can set the edge. Like you want to get those guys. But honestly, as a quarterback, from what they've told me, they'd rather have the two elite guys there than have two elite guys in the middle. Because, you know, whenever you have two guys coming off the edge, yes, they're dangerous. We understand that. I mean, we, we Colts fans understand that very well with White Freeney and Robert Mathis for a long time. But, you know, the thing with the guys outside, like you can step up as a quarterback. Like You still have the ability to step up, but it's different when the pocket is collapsing from within you as opposed to on the edge. And so I think that's what the Colts really have been lacking a lot. And I mean, we, you know, the Colts brought back a couple guys who really did really regressed, honestly, in 2019 and Marcus Hunt and, you know, even the guy that brought in Danico Autry, who we thought could potentially have a, you know, a breakout season this year. Both of those guys kind of really took a step back as far as expectations are concerned. And so I certainly think that he fit, fits the bill there um, at 13, specifically if the Colts stay there at 13, um, but Derek, you know, one thing that I think that we have to also consider is free agency. And I think this is something, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, this is something with, with, with you, you know, thinking in mind, the Colts don't sign in these defensive linemen in free agencies at the three technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that would be just something that I would consider here um, mm-hmm. because, you know, there are some guys, you know, Chris Jones, yeah. who kind of had a very cryptic tweet and I kind of felt silly because I interpreted it as him saying, basically, hey, you never know. It was fun, Kansas City. Thank you. Um, and if you don't know, look, look, Chris Jones on Twitter. Um, that's chief, the Chiefs defensive tackle. I um, had a very cryptic tweet. We can't I couldn't really figure it out. Um, I interpreted it one way and then I was like, well, that's probably actually not what it is. And so, hey, you never um, know. OK, like you said in your follow up <laughs> tweet to Kevin, let, let us dream. OK, let us let dream. Us dream. Okay? Yeah. And you know what? It it's, makes logical sense that Chris Jones might be leaving due to the fact that, you know, you have the situation where he's the, the Chiefs only have 16 million dollars in cap space going into this and they have a bunch of free agents they need to sign. So Chris Jones could be that guy to walk if indeed, you know, they're not going to be able to pay him uh, what it is that he wants. Colts could be one of those guys that could step in and do that. Again, it's just another reason to question what's going to happen in the first round. We're going to find out more in the free agency period on whether or not defensive tackle is going to be a bigger issue than what it is now. But yeah. Okay. So that was number 13. Uh, let's go into number 34, our first pick in the second round, which is a wide receiver for me. Might be a wide receiver mm-hmm. that a lot of people haven't quite mentioned because I think we talk a lot about uh, some of the names we saw at Mobile and uh, guys like Justin Jefferson and a couple other guys. I think that. Justin Jefferson might be a name that we might not see make out of the first round. That's just a possibility. 
due to how many teams want a wide receiver and how I think this is going to go. So with the 34th pick, at the Indianapolis Colts selecting KJ Hamler, a wide receiver from Penn State University. Uh, Hamler has been a solid performer every year for Penn State. And honestly, his stats are very impressive when you look at just some of the quarterbacks that he's had throwing him the ball over the last mm-hmm. few years. Uh, Hamler is a guy that's not very tall and, you know, is not the. Uh, he is a pretty de- he's got pretty decent speed. Uh he is going to run in that high 4-3 area I think, which is definitely a good spot. And Hamler is one of those guys that has the ability to track the football really well, which again is something that you know is not really talked about, but he just has a knack for being able to go up and get the ball. He's just really good at tracking it and being able to go up and make the catch seen a lot of great plays from him playing against Ohio state. He's had a couple of good catches and a couple of good games. So uh, that's definitely a wide receiver that I think uh, would help the Colts tremendously. If indeed that's who we end up going with in the second round. What do you think, Cody? Yeah. And I was just you know, right now, I'm kind of looking at some of the, uh, you know, f- potential free agents in 2020. Um, I mean, beyond Amari Cooper, I mean, there's really nobody available that really would pique my interest. I mean, what mm-hmm. do you think? Maybe AJ Green, but I mean, he's 31, so it's kind of putting a band aid on you it. You might get him for two years at the most, and that's if he can stay healthy. Yeah. And yeah, another, another thing, he was not healthy the entire season. And so taking a risk on a guy over 30, I think I'd pass on that. So that makes sense. Um, you know, and I, you know, I think that it's kind of interesting because people kind of question, well, you know, a guy like Hamler, he's what, five, nine, 156 pounds. Like, I mean, you ask the question, well, don't you kind of have that in T Y Hilton? And don't you have a kind of have that in Paris? Campbell? be that kind of speed guy. I don't think people kind of realize that Paris Campbell is not like a small receiver. Yeah. He's not he's, small. He's six no. foot and yeah. but he's fast. And so, um, you know, I've just kind of come to the point, Derek, where I'm like, I don't care if the guy's six, five, I don't care if the guy's five, nine, you know, mm-hmm. I, if he can go make plays and track the ball, I mean, that's what you want. And that's what the Colts have really lacked outside of T Y Hilton for it over the last decade, really. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that makes sense. Um, you know, and you mentioned Derek, like he's a guy that hasn't really had a lot of quarterbacks that <laughs> we would consider, you know, great quarterbacks, great guys throwing the ball. So it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see um, him in a, in a pro style offense and in, interesting to just kind of see him with. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just a, just a different system and just a different quarterback, different situation. Um, right. He definitely got the speed there, which I think he always love. Um, so that makes sense. I, I, I would agree with that. I think that, yeah. that makes sense to me. Yeah. And, and at that 34th pick, you know, you have a lot of different options. Uh, with a lot of different positions, especially a wide receiver because of just how many wide receivers you're going to see in this draft all the way from the first round, all the way to potentially the seventh round. There's a lot of wide receiver talent that is ready to be unlocked uh, in this. So there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, I actually have the Colts grabbing three wide receivers in this, and we're going to keep going with that. But, uh, uh, again, like I said, there's just this is all flexible. But again, you know, we're trying to figure out if he decides not to bring Devin Funches back. 
that's again another mm. reason why they would want to overload on wide receiver at this point. But anyway, with the 44th pick, the and I think you'll like this one, uh, Cody, because it's a position that you have been preaching about over the last few months about really uh, is what the Colts really need to focus on. And with the 44th pick, I have the Colts selecting Damian Lewis, the interior offensive lineman from LSU. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've seen a lot of, I think a lot of people have seen the clips of Damian Lewis pancaking, pancaking people kind of reminds you a little bit of Quentin Nelson, just the way he hits people when they come inside. Uh, It really is a thing of beauty. Uh, This might be a little early for a guy like Damian Lewis. It might be a little early for some people, but you know, one thing you kept mentioning to me, how we need to improve that interior offensive line on the right side. And I I'm following your footsteps there. And I agree with you. And I think that Damian Lewis is a guy that if they can polish him up, that that dude is a great compliment to have uh, alongside Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson. I think that would be a phenomenal right guard to have. Uh, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I'm curious, um, you know, what, what what would you say he needs to improve on? Why do you think, you know, you met, you compared him to Quentin Nelson, which is obviously a great comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think he needs to improve? Why do you think he slides to that, you know, that pick to you if he's, if you think he has that potential, I guess. I think that, you know, when it comes to his tenacity, obviously it's important to have that, but I think sometimes you lose some of the, uh, what you want to say, your fundamentals, right? You obviously want to make sure that every block you do is the same. You want to make sure that you're getting your hands up, moving your feet well. I think sometimes he has the tendency to miss that uh, because, you know, again, he likes to go for the big hit when somebody's coming inside. I just think sometimes his footwork uh, avoids him just because of how athletic and how big he is. And I think that's ultimately just some of the stuff that I think he needs to fix a little bit. But I mean, outside of that, I mean, obviously he's part of the offensive line for LSU that had that was most likely considered the second best offensive line in football behind Ohio State. I mean, he was part of obviously that offensive line. So not a whole lot to do, just some fine uh, tweaking of some footwork and some handwork. But Mm. outside of that, I, I don't think there's much more that you need from a guy that's playing on the interior and just loves to hit people. Hey, that's great. Yeah, you can't go wrong there. And if he he develops into the type of player you think he could potentially be, I mean, your offensive line, man, it's already a strength, but it's like, man, it's just you're you're playing with house money at that point, man. Absolutely. You can never make your offensive line better. You can never stop making your offensive line better. And it's always good to have those extra parts and extra pieces in there for when something could happen. So it is definitely a good thing. All right. Sure. So. Yeah. First two rounds are done. Yeah. All right. So we have Javon Kinlaw, interior defensive lineman from South Carolina at the 13th pick, KJ Hamler, wide receiver from Penn State at the 34th pick. And to close out the second round, we had Damian Lewis, the interior offensive lineman from LSU. Wow. Okay. Yep. Some good ones right. there. I like that. So mm-hmm. now we move on to the third round. And we've heard a lot of talk about, you know, now that Eric Ebron is gone, do the Colts draft somebody later on 
at tight end to complement Jack Doyle. Now, see why some people might think that, you know, Moali Cox or some other guys might be able to fill that role. I don't know if I'm, I'm not as optimistic uh, just because we've, we've tried to see it happen before and it just really hasn't. So uh, we might want to try and get another big name guy that uh, could compliment Jack Doyle on the other side. So with the fourth uh, pick in this draft for the Colts, make sure I get this number right. Yep, there we go. So the 75th pick, I have the Indianapolis Colts selecting Bryson Hopkins, the tight end from Purdue, a guy that definitely is a, a playmaker, uh, can make, uh, can catch pretty much anything and is really good with the run after the catch, definitely breaks a lot of tackles, and he's a great red zone guy, which is exactly what Eric Ebron was for us. So I think... This being a uh, third round, I think you could definitely see Chris Ballard taking the chance on getting another receiving threat and Bryson Hopkins. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I always I thought the Colts should look at getting a tight end. If they can't land one of those big guys we talked about, you know, Hooper or uh, what's his name, Hunter Henry, you know, one mm-hmm. of those type of guys, I think it makes sense definitely to to invest in a tight end and i thought probably third fourth round so this is probably right where i would go a local guy too um uh, so that's good it doesn't have to move very far um mm-hmm. yeah no i like it i think that fits well into what the colts want to do obviously with yeah. eric ebron not returning the colts need a you know kind of that type of tight end and i'm assuming he's a he's a tight end who is a very active pass catcher mm-hmm. um that, that's kind of fits the mold to what the colts need to get alongside jack doyle and mo alley cox um you know he's a guy who's you know if he, if he can do that really well, man, that, that fits really good into what the Colts do. Um, you know, my brother's a Purdue fan. I'm not really a, a big Purdue fan. Tell me some things about this guy. Well, I mean, obviously he's tall, um, and I haven't really gotten a chance to watch too many Purdue games also, but obviously, like I mentioned, he's a great pass catcher, and they actually have stated that, you know, his run blocking to actually uh, amongst some of the best in of tight ends in college football already. So that particularly helps because obviously you see the comparisons of a Jack Doyle. Jack Doyle was a really good run blocker and can catch. But I think one thing Bryson Hopkins is a little better at is just something he's better at than Jack Doyle is making plays outside after the catch. I mean, Jack Doyle, obviously we know you can get that eight, nine yard catch from Jack Doyle that just looks nice and easy, makes it look simple. Uh, Bryson Hopkins is just kind of a guy that is a lot more, I wouldn't necessarily say reliable, but he's a lot more creative in how he makes plays after the catch is over. So that's a different element that you could see uh, him adding to that tight end group, which I really think is why you could see him getting picked in the third round like this. Yeah, and that's what the Colts ultimately need. They need they need more playmakers on offense, and we saw that the lack of playmakers last year on offense, um, especially when the, all those receivers went down last year. Eric Ebron got injured last year. Like the Colts had really nobody out. You know, Jack Doyle, I guess, but you know, like you mentioned, you know, I love Jack Doyle. I'm one of the biggest Jack Doyle guys out there. But I mean, Jack Doyle is what he is. He's reliable, but he's not going to make that spectacular. You know chunk play like you probably need from the offense and so i think you know getting a nice compliment like that would certainly be good for the colts and that's probably where they should go the route they should go 
either sign a guy like that or, you know, draft a guy like that. And so I think that fits really well into what the Colts do. Yeah. So now we move on to the fourth round and I have uh, the 112th pick here. So the Colts go about, what is it? 37 picks without a pick in. So now they're going to have some time to figure out what they want to do. I have them going with a edge rusher and I have them selecting Marlon Davidson, an edge rusher from Auburn. Uh, He's Hmm. part of that defensive line from Auburn. That was obviously very spectacular this year. And, you know, Chris Ballard mentioned it in his interview with Dockich that, you know, you, you can never have too many defensive linemen. And obviously the, the room that we have is filled with a bunch of young talent that is still yet to prosper. So obviously we still have some time with that, but like what he said, you you need to continue to fill in defensive linemen here and there to see what you can get out of some guys. And Marlon Davidson to me definitely is an interesting prospect. Uh, And that's why I have him being selected with our first pick in that fourth round. Yeah, um, and you, you know, you kind of mentioned Derek. You can never have too many pass rushers. You can never have too many offensive linemen. Was kind of uh, what I kind of hold true to because you know, guy goes down. You need depth. You need guys who can get in there. And um, Colts got a couple guys that they drafted in the second round the last two years. But I mean, you know, if, if they do draft him, do you think they still bring back a guy like Jabal Sheard? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, Chris Ballard is a sucker for the guys like Jabal Sheard, obviously. Jabal Sheard, not a great edge rusher, but he is a guy that in obvious rundown situations or on first downs and second downs, you can rely on a guy like Jabal Sheard to play his role and and helping out the run game. We obviously saw when Sheard came back after four games in the season and he came back and he was just phenomenal in the run game on his side and made it look easy. So obviously I think that uh, Jabal Sheard is a guy that I would bring back personally, and I do think that Chris Ballard would bring him back as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like you mentioned, Derek, they, they all need they, – they, the Colts just can, need to continue to add more and more pass rushers to get to the quarterback because I think they are better this year than they've been in the past, but yeah. they still got a ways to go. Yeah. Um, especially with the uncertainty uh, with those young players and Ben Banigou, Kamoko Ture, even Taekwon mm-hmm. Lewis. Like, you don't, you know, Ture, I guess, has shown the most, but I mean, he's coming off a serious injury. And so I think it's smart to add another guy in there, you know, because mm-hmm. continue the whole idea of the competition, right? Competition and, yeah. And, and continue to <laughs> get to the quarterback and try to develop these guys. I mean, you got to take shots sometimes with these guys, and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, yeah. And so, I think it's just got to kind of what you got to do. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm assuming this guy probably is a guy who maybe, uh, you know, he maybe is not a guy that like when you look at him, you kind of think, man, he's going to be an elite pass rusher. But he has some of those, you know, because I'm I'm basing this off of kind of what we've seen out of Chris Ballard as far as his formula for drafting guys. He's probably pretty he's probably got some ta- some blue chip trait. I'm mm-hmm. guessing, um, you know, he's probably not refined that trade. He's probably not a refined player if he's going in the fourth round, but he's yeah. probably got some tremendous upside somewhere that Chris Ballard sees mm-hmm. if he's taken him. Um, what, what in your mind after kind of looking at him, is that kind of that blue trade thing that you think that <laughs> could potentially get the Colts to draft him in the fourth round? 
Yeah, you said it completely. He's one of those guys that, you know, shows flashes, just isn't very consistent. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has a lot of those tools that make him uh, susceptible to being a very good defensive end. It's just kind of one of those things that, you know, he just needs some refinement and some uh, better technique with, you know, how to use his weight on the edge. It's kind of one of those things, but he is, he does have some good traits with long arms and he's uh, very strong. Heard a lot of people say he's got very good. He's got a very good punch out of the edge. He just sometimes doesn't know how to shift his weight when he's doing stuff like that. But that is something that I think, you know, Robert Mathis and those guys can teach. And I think that definitely helps us. Yeah. And I mean, if, the Colts also got a new, obviously they got a new defensive line coach. They announced all these different changes today on their, on their front here um, as far as coaching staff. Um, so, you know, a little bit about this new guy, Brian Baker. I mean, he was part of Alabama. This is kind of a tangent here, but you know, he was part of Alabama um, and the Colts have really talked from the beginning. They, you know, they wanted a guy who was a teacher and just kind of seeing what he's done in the past. It kind of seems like he's developed a lot of guys. Um, a lot of guys on the defensive line, and so this isn't this isn't a wild thing at all to to predict the Colts to draft some defensive linemen. Um, and I certainly think that a guy like Baker, um, who certainly is a teacher, can definitely do that. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be interesting to see though, kind of what the traits of what Baker thinks he needs as far as the defensive line. But you know, the Colts believe in him. The Colts really want to put an emphasis on you know that that's kind of why they fired. <laughs> they that's kind of why they let go. Um, you know, their last defensive line coach, they felt like they, what they, some of their young players weren't being developed like they needed to be. And so mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see now, man, like, you know, Mike fares out now. Let's see if some of these guys, and, you know, if he, this guy gets drafted as well, let's see if some of these guys develop under, under Baker. And so um, mm-hmm. I'm excited, man. I'm excited for that. I'm sorry yeah. I kind of went off on a tangent there. Very good. <laughs> um, that'll be just another defensive lineman for Baker and company on that defense. So, All right, cool. We can go to now the fifth round. All right, we're going into the fifth round. So now with the 142nd pick. So, again, it's another wide receiver for me. Uh, It's a little bit different one. Uh, I think this is a guy that um, this guy could potentially continue to move up draft boards. If from what I've been seeing, we saw a couple of things at mobile that really helped his case. Uh, this is something that I definitely think uh, Chris Ballard might take a interest in, and that is Benjamin Victor, the wide receiver from Ohio State University, the Ohio State University. Let me correct myself. So uh, obviously being an Ohio State fan, I've gotten to see this guy uh, grow as his uh, playing career has gone along. Uh, Benjamin Victor is – kind of the exact opposite of KJ Hamler, which makes this one a very interesting thing. He Benjamin Victor being six foot four, a very tall wide receiver. Um, he doesn't have a tremendous top end speed. That's something that a lot of people criticized him for, but one thing he is, he's very agile, a guy that in within those first 20 feet that he moves, it, he is very phenomenal in, the open space and how he can get open. He does have very good footwork. He, he, again, for his speed, it's quite phenomenal how much he can get away from some tackles in the open field. Uh, He's very good with his footwork. I've seen that uh, progress as time has gone along. I think the one thing that 
puts him so deep into this draft is simply because uh, his issue is for as big as he is, his range is not very good, which is odd Hmm. for somebody that's so big. I think it's ultimately if you throw it up to him, then obviously he can go up and get it. But if it's not within his arm reach, uh, he has a slightly more difficult time adjusting and getting to the ball, which is something that obviously he needs to get better at uh, being as big as he is. But his hands have gotten better uh, when he was a freshman. I mean, he, he just didn't get a whole lot of uh, time to really do much. But this last season with Justin Fields throwing him the football amongst all the wide receivers that the Ohio State Buckeyes had, uh, Benjamin Victor was kind of lost in that. But obviously what we saw from Mobile uh, he was able to create space on some defensive backs in those first few steps that he takes. And obviously his route running has been very good. He's actually a, a cross route kind of guy, which is kind of weird for somebody as big as he is. But um, again, this is kind of one of those things where it's, it's a project. He's something he's going to, he's going to have to learn to, uh, adjust to the ball better and have and try to get a little faster if he can. But it is a guy that's tall, and if he learns uh, from what we're trying to do, obviously this is a guy that could be a diamond in the rough for us. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned like so. I'm kind of looking at some of his. I'm looking at this video right now. Actually, is toe tapping touchdown here. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he does have good footwork. You're right. Yes. Man, uh, that was a great play. Um, but yeah, so he's kind of a project player you mentioned. Yeah, I was kind of looking at his stats. I mean, he, every year he improved in his stats yeah. a little bit. Um, I don't know. Was he what where was he in the as far as like the depth chart at Ohio State? Um, I would say he was the number three wide receiver. Uh okay. I think ultimately because we saw how uh, Chris Olave, who is a sophomore this year for a was a sophomore last year, uh, he took on the number one receiver role because Chris Olave is um, is really fast. He's got amazing agility. He's got great hands. He's just a a freak athlete out there. And then obviously you have KJ Hill, who obviously is the all time leading reception uh, all time receptions leader at Ohio State. So it's kind of hard to beat that. But outside of that. Mm-hmm. He was fighting for that number three spot uh, with Garrett Wilson, who is a true freshman, who is a five-star prospect. So Benjamin's just kind of been one of those players that's been kind of lost in the offensive systems uh, through Ohio State. Obviously, this last year, he improved so much because Ryan Day being a little bit more uh, wanting to throw the ball a lot more getting a quarterback that is actually capable of throwing the football a lot better and spreading Mm -hmm. it out. We haven't had that over the last few, the first few years that Benjamin Victor was there, but then he finally got somebody and he he made some really good plays. He saw a couple of good ones every night. So, you know, it's one of those things that I think, again, the systems kind of failed him a little bit, kind of like what we did, what Michael Thomas did uh, for Ohio state. You know, a lot of people just questioned him because the numbers weren't there but the talent's always been there. It's just need somebody to help unlock that talent. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he didn't have a bad season, but I mean, 545 yeah. yards, six touchdowns. I mean, for number three receiver, that's not bad at all. Yeah. Um, not bad. You, so you think it's just something where he continues to develop 
You know, he mm-hmm. continues to figure out his body as far as, you know, 6'4", 199. Like, I mean, he, he's got the talent. Like, he's got the physical attributes to be a good receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe it's just something where he just needs some playing time. He just needs to, you know, continue to improve, needs some coaching, needs some teaching. Uh, you know, and if you can get him in the fifth round, a guy like that, I mean, I don't know why you say no to that. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and obviously, you know, Ohio. I mean, you watched all of Ohio State's games, so you know yeah. probably Benjamin Victor more than probably anybody listening to this podcast. And so, yeah, I know, I know um, quite a bit of him. Yeah. So, if he continues to develop, what do you think he can turn into? You know, best case scenario here. Um, I think he can turn into what uh, what a Devin Funches, it, uh, what we wanted him to be, is okay. you know that potential uh a red zone wide receiver that can go up and get it because obviously he's taller than most corners uh he's got good height and obviously the footwork's there and he's just a guy that you know every now and again you can see a couple big plays especially in the open field i remind you that again i said his speed isn't as incredible as some other wide receivers but again his agility is really good for somebody his size so i look to for him to be a Devin Funches type player, the kind of thing that we wanted Devin Funches to be this last year. Yeah. And I mean, you could even bring back Devin Funches. Like yeah, the Colts have some, so the Colts have some speed guys, Paris Campbell, T Y Hilton. And if you draft, you know, that you draft the other speed receiver, like you have three speed receivers there and then you bring in, you know, a guy like Victor um, and you bring back Funches, you got two, you know, possession guys, big guys, I think they complement each other really well. And so I think this could potentially be a really good thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, you got a guy like Zach Pascal who's, who kind of had a good, you know, kind of a breakout season. And I mean, you look at that wide receiver group, man, you know, if you, if you add a couple guys, even if you add a guy in the fifth round, like that is tremendously better mm-hmm. than it was last year. And even if you have injuries, you have some young guys, some guys who can prove it. Um, right. which I think is something the Colts were kind of lacking last year. So I like it. I like that pick. All right. And so I'll kind of place these last three here into my, into like one big bundle, just okay. since they're kind of all in the same area. And uh, this last guy that I'm going to mention, you might know a little more about his tendencies than myself, because you are a fan of this guy's team. So I'm going to mention him in a second. So, uh, the 173rd pick, I have Justin Herman, a offensive tackle from Wake Forest. Uh, that's my 173rd pick. And with the 191st pick in the draft, I have the Colts selecting Kendall Coleman, an edge rusher from Syracuse. Uh, that's another one. And then the last pick, the 204th pick that I have them going with is Tommy Kramer, the interior offensive lineman from Notre Dame. So obviously you're a fan of Notre Dame. Uh, I don't know how closely you've watched uh, Kramer. I didn't know if you uh, wanted to give me a little bit of more insight on what you thought of him throughout this last year or so. Yeah. So admittedly, I I didn't watch as much actually this year of Notre Dame as I normally do. Um, So I'm going to actually, so I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to look up a little bit about him. Um, I don't know a ton about him, um, but I want to look up a little bit and kind of give you some insight from some of the experts, people gotcha. who have watched him a lot more than I have. But yeah, while I'm doing that, I guess you could talk about these other two guys. Yeah, uh, obviously, we've all been talking about, you know, whether or not Anthony Costanzo is going to be back. 
obviously Justin Herman's not really much of a uh, replacement, obviously, if you're trying to get him in the, you know, sixth round. I mean, obviously that's not a big thing, but uh, like I mentioned before, you know, having that extra offensive lineman there uh, and Chris Ballard has had the tendency over the last few rounds to kind of pick more offensive linemen to add to his list. So it makes total sense that you would get a guy like Justin Herman, who obviously was the lead in that Wake Forest offense that they had. Uh, is a good sized body. Uh, they said that his his weaknesses are that you know he's not a uh, he's very inconsistent with his hands and his hand placement. That's kind of something that needs to get fixed, uh, especially on the run blocking. Uh, and obviously, with the way this offense likes to run the football. It's pivotal that we have a guy that's able to uh, run block just as well as he does pass blocking. So makes sense for that. Uh, it's just another uh, prospect for that. And Kendall Coleman, edge rusher from Syracuse. Uh, we, we kind of seen the Syracuse, like Syracuse is kind of one of those teams that, you know, upsets somebody every year that you just never see coming. And their coach is actually the former uh, Bowling Green head coach where I uh, went to college at. Uh, he's a very good coach. I know that he likes uh, some rough riders on the edge on the defensive line. So Kendall Coleman's definitely that guy. Uh, he definitely has that tenacity about him. Uh, it's just kind of another one of those things where I kind of mentioned the same thing about Marlon Davidson, how, you know, just being able to move his body in certain ways to beat the rush. That's kind of something that Kendall Coleman's going to have to uh, work on. But obviously that's again, another thing where we were talking about just more defensive linemen, more defensive linemen. I know a lot of people are going to say, Oh, you know, you don't have many people in the, you know, in a secondary or, you know, a linebacker pick or something like that. Um, I understand uh, that the, in the, sixth round I was actually debating on whether or not to go with a safety or a potential running back to add to this list uh, I might do that as further along in the draft because uh, I know I have a lot of uh, offensive linemen in here and a couple wide receivers but that's just where I'm at right now with those sure that makes sense okay here's what I picked up on Tommy Kramer okay. uh, so he's six six, three nineteen, so he's a big big guy um, you know, one thing that, um, you know, it's just like, he's such a large individual. Um, it's really hard, I guess, for defenders to kind of get around him. Cause he's just so massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's in the interior, which helps. Um, and you know, he's really, uh, you know, he's, a, he's a type of guy that he can kind of steamroll over some people. Um, and he's, you know, the good thing is like, since he's so big, he can, kind of re-anchor against some of those big power rusher guys. Um, and that helps against some of those giant guys in the NFL. Um, and so, you know, he has some, some recovery flexibility, um, which means he can, you know, he can re-anchor whenever some of those guys bull rush. Um, and whenever he's facing power, I mean, he's such a big individual that um, he can handle that. And, um, but, you know, kind of with that, <laughs> with really any guy that's, that's big like that, he can kind of, um, plot around a little bit, I guess is the word, um, you know, he, and maybe he kind of la- lacks explosiveness a little bit as far as like offensive line is concerned. And that could be one of his concerns, you know, going in 
is just, you know, the NFL athleticism, is it there? Um, and that, that's just something that you can just ask yourself. And that's why you probably have him this late because um, he's just a guy that I think he needs a lot of refinement. He needs a lot of work. He's definitely a project guy. Um, you know, he has a lot of things that you'd like to see in an offensive lineman, especially in the interior. But, you know, he's a guy that, um, you know, whenever, when it, you know, even though I say he can handle the bull rush, he sometimes struggles um, because, you know, he's just, he, he, I think he just needs to work on whenever handling the bull rush, how to, how to handle it sometimes. I think sometimes he kind of gets caught on his tiptoes a little bit and kind of, you know, loses momentum and, and gets beat. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, and, you know, also just, you know, with that, um, with, you know, handling bull rushers, he just, the hand placement is not always there. And that's something that he's going to need to refine. This is another thing that needs coaching, um, so, I mean, overall, I think that he's a guy that has some potential. Uh, he has some potential NFL NFL stuff there. There are obviously questions, and that's why he's so far down in the draft. But, right. um, you know, I think that he's a guy that, you know, could be a reserve for the Colts. And, you know, he it's just really all up to can he put it all together. Um, and that that's just something that, you know, that's what you do when you take some of these seventh-round guys. Sometimes there's guys where um, – or late round guys there's guys that they have the physical tools and they need to try to develop them and then you know you can get lucky sometimes with some of those players um, who have those physical tools they just have have to be coached into them and they have to just figure it out as they go and so that's kind of my take on him from what i've you know i've read and kind of what i've seen here in the time that you were talking and so mm-hmm. um i think it could be potentially a good pick and the you know like we've talked about earlier on the podcast you can never have enough offensive linemen and so you know, that's the guy that that would be a potential pick um, that that would be good. Um, and Chris Ballard really talked about that, Derek, in his press conference um, after the season was over, uh, just that lack of depth that, you know, was on the Colts offensive line. And, you know, I, we kind of talked about it on this podcast and I kind of thought about it all, all the all, all season, um, you know, before the Colts started playing in 2019, you know, you got really lucky and really fortunate that all five of your offensive linemen were, I mean, healthy pretty much the entire season. Um, and you think about it, if one of those guys were to go down for multiple weeks, I mean, that forces a guy like Joe Haig, a guy like Laraven Clark, one of those guys into a totally different role than they had in 2019. And so always felt like that was a need. Um, and I think that, you know, you can maybe find a few other guys, a few more depth pieces and free agency potentially. Um, but, you know, drafting a guy like Kramer is certainly um, a step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's all about this draft is all about, you know, getting that depth and about understanding what positions need to go where. So obviously we, we're going to have a lot more fun talking about this. We're going to have a lot more options to talk about. It's it's going to be a really fun off season to talk about this. But anyway, just so that way we can uh, make sure everybody understands where I'm at here. So obviously with that First pick, I have Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle from South Carolina. Second pick that we have is KJ Hamler, the wide receiver from Penn State University. Third pick is Damian Lewis, the interior offensive lineman from LSU. Fourth pick is Bryson Hopkins, the tight end from Purdue. Fifth pick is Marlon Davidson, edge rusher from Auburn. Sixth pick is Benjamin Victor, wide receiver from The Ohio State University. Seventh pick, Justin Herman, an offensive tackle from Wake Forest. Eighth pick, Kendall Coleman, edge rusher from Syracuse. And ninth pick is Tommy Kramer, interior offensive lineman 
from Notre Dame. So that is my first version of the Colts mock draft. We're going to have Cody do his, and we're going to probably get that up before the end of the month. Uh, just depends on when we're going to get that uploaded, but because we'll obviously we'll have some more things to talk about, but Anyway, I think that's going to be it for this mock draft. And obviously, we have a few other things we'll talk about in uh, weeks prior. But, uh, Cody, did you have anything else that you wanted to add before we uh, head off here? Well, just guys, just don't kill Derek because he didn't take a quarterback. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to yeah, get like, crucified by some oh, of the man, people in the comments. Know. I feel like I will. Don't, it's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. And also, if people are that mad at me about it, they obviously didn't hear me when I mentioned that, again, I'm not opposed to taking a quarterback. I just don't know enough information to make a call on a quarterback yet. So what I'm hearing is Derek loves Jacoby Brissett, and he thinks he should be signed to a 10-year extension. That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) No. Again, stop making me do that. I hate saying that because, like, I love Jacoby Brissett. I think he's a great guy, and I think he's a decent quarterback. But you're making me say as if, like, I think he's trash. I don't think he's trash. It's just, gosh, you're making me mad when you say that. (laughs) It is interesting. That is is Colt's Twitter in in a nutshell right there. Jacoby Brissett, we should – He's great. He's good. Or he's completely garbage. He's Curtis Painter 2.0. And like, it's kind of funny. There's no in between. Yeah, there's no in between on that. And listen, I'm all in on Ballard trading up to go Justin Herbert. I don't care what any of you in the comments say. Okay. I like Justin Herbert more than any other quarterback prospect in this draft outside of Joe Burrow. We're obviously not getting Joe Burrow. So. That's my uh, big thing. If you haven't already noticed that from my Twitter, then I don't know what else you're doing. So <laughs> no love for love, huh? Uh, I, I mean, I like love. I, I do. I do. I think he might be the one that we end up with, but I'm not, I, I would rather have Herbert, but again, that's for another topic for another okay. day. And I'll go into it a little more later on anyway. So thank you all so much for watching. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this one. Hopefully you got some insight from myself and uh, maybe give me some comments down there. Let me know what you think. Uh, Some suggestions, maybe some people I should look at to see if I can maybe put that in my mock draft. But uh, thanks guys again for watching. And as always go Colts.